0: join me in the call to worship. The wilderness shall be glad and the desert shall bloom. You with weak hands, God will strengthen you. You For behold, God is coming to save the faithful. rejoice Be seated. Today we light the candle of hope, and uh, the worst will be lighting that for us today. Please join us in the responsive reading as we prepare to light the candle of hope. Hear the words of Thee, our God. I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord, "pleased for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." We are not alone, for God has remembered us. We are not alone, for God loves us and cares for us. Good morning and welcome to this time of worship as we gather here to worship the one true and living God on this second Sunday in Advent. It's good to see you all here, and as we uh, spend time today in worship, we do so with an eagerness to convey to all who come into this house of worship that we are building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And we do so by, hopefully, by sharing the love of God to those who come in. That is our effort and our intent always. Today, as we share together, we also want to invite you to leave your name uh, in our registration tablet there, both members and guests alike. So we'll have a record of who is attending here today. We also want to um, let everyone know that when we greet one another, we do so in the name of Christ. And so we always pass the peace of Christ by saying, may the peace of Christ be with you as we begin our time of worship and welcome those who are with us today. So if you would, go ahead and do that now and welcome those who are close to you. We also welcome those who are gathering with us via live stream and worshiping with us. We welcome you each week into our time of worship, and we hope this is both inspiring and uplifting on this second Sunday of Advent.
1: Thank you, such a pleasure to see my classmate and mentor and leader, Dr. Banks over here. I Hope everyone got to see Tim. I told him that his ears should be burning every Wednesday and every Sunday morning because I bet I say as Dr. Banks would say about 10 to 20 times a night. Dr. Banks, you built this beautiful choir They sing for you still, and we're so glad to see you today. Thank you, Tim. Uh, This will be our invocation, and I'll say amen afterwards. I was at the grocery store, and a man was in front of me in one of those carts, motorized carts, and he was having a lot of trouble and it took some extra time, and there were four or five people behind me, but I was next. And then he decided to write a check, which took a lot of extra time. I haven't seen anybody write a check in a long time. And uh, as I often do, as I tell Tim and Ken, I get way ahead of my skis on things. And uh, when he finally left, I assumed, quite incorrectly as it turns out, that the cashier was going to say, I'm sorry you had to wait. But as it turns out, this cashier was much wiser than I and simply checked me out without offering me an apology. And I thought, how wise you are I didn't need an apology and it was okay for him to take a little extra time, amen.
0: First scripture lesson for today is found in the Psalter. It's a reading from Psalm 72. Read first the first seven verses and then verse 18 and 19. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people and the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. And then verses 18 and 19. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Here ends our first lesson of scripture.
2: second reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together we may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy." As it is written, therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, O you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing So that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. join me in our intercessory prayers this morning shall we pray God of grace you come close when we need you and even when we think we don't good and faithful God you are beside us all the way when we notice you and when we don't tending mindful leading feeding your eyes never stray from us May these days of Advent bring for each of us a true advent of new thinking, new experiencing, new communion with you, our Lord and our God. During this time of Advent, we are waiting to see how you will act in our lives, in our church, in our city, and in our world. Thank you for waiting for our attention when we are often preoccupied, waiting for our cooperation because you believe in the work that we can do. We look to you today for the courage and grace to forgive others. Make us merciful as you are merciful, generous in our warmth towards ourselves and towards others. Too many are enduring violence, danger, misery. Come Lord, disturb those whose leadership serves to perpetuate wrong and those whose petty or far-reaching crimes stoke fires of conflict. God, you are more invested in us than we ever realize. We thank you that our most ordinary days matter to you, how we are, what we do, what keeps us going. And yet we are aware and remember so many who are worried about this time approaching Christmas. Fearing loneliness, debt, arguments, disappointment. Raise the profile of all who by their work and lifestyle ease their pressure, make room for community and show us a simpler way to celebrate. Help all who struggle at this time of year with loneliness, fear, uncertainty, grief and sorrow. These and all the unspoken prayers of our hearts today we bring in the name of our Saviour Jesus Christ who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil thine is the kingdom. Miss many things, but I'm going to miss that choir. (laughs) Bah, humbug. One of the classic figures in English literature said it Ebenezer Scrooge and Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Here's Dickens' wonderful description of this man. Oh, he was a tight fisted hand at the grindstone. Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Secret and self contained solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue and spoke shrewdly in his grating voice. His name has become the epitome of thinking about somebody who is miserly, who isn't generous and who isn't kind. A scrooge. And this second Sunday of Advent we're thinking about a text that speaks about hope but does so speaking about Christian hope in the context of being related to hospitality, generosity, gratitude and compassion. Today's passage is normally seen as being at the climax of the book that Paul wrote to the city of Rome. It begins and ends this passage with hope. It gives the character of God as the basis of hope. It speaks about how steadfastness and encouragement of the scriptures are the foundation of our hope. The God of steadfastness and encouragement bears witness to our hope and gives hope to all, both Jew and to Gentile. And the final familial blessing at the end declares, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And the outcome of having hope, says Paul, is hospitality. So he says, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. Harmony and hope. Not a bad theme for the second Sunday of Advent. What does Paul mean by hope? Well, Paul's not talking about some kind of more prosperous life that we all would like to have. A too narrow self-centered interpretation of hope is not permitted here. The hope that Paul talks about is distinctly communal. The hope that the Holy Spirit creates is not for my own personal good. It's a hope that is to be shared with others. It's a hope in which I am part of receiving and I'm part of sharing. It's the communal nature of this hope that distinguishes Christian hope from very often a secular hope. The communal nature of this hope is demonstrated, Paul would say, by loving our neighbor as ourselves, seeking that which is in the best interest of our neighbor, living in the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul would put it elsewhere, a harmony with one another, he says, that's in accordance with the ethos of Christ. It's not a harmony that we create for ourselves with others. It's not the same as belonging to the same club, a rotary club, a golf club, a political party. It's rather in accordance with Jesus Christ. The foundation of our hope, the foundation of our relationships with one another is based upon the fact that Christ has accepted us. And so Paul says, accept one another as God in Christ has accepted you. Christ coming into the world at the first advent is God's coming for all of us. All of us hear good news of great joy for all people. This coming, this advent of Christ that we look back on, but the advent of Christ, the Christian hope that we look forward to is not something that can be claimed by one group over another. Everyone is invited to share in this hope. And everyone is invited to give God thanks for the hope that he has given to us. Uh, Paul brings together a whole series of texts in this passage from the Hebrew Bible. All with the theme of praising God for what he has brought to us in and through Jesus Christ. We praise God, we sing songs of praise that witness to the generosity of God to us and encourage us to be generous towards others. Psalm 72, which is the parallel reading in the lectionary picks up in this theme. The Psalmist prays that the king of justice, the righteous one will come and his justice, his kingdom will bring justice, not just to a few, not just to Israel, but to all, to the whole of the world. God's grace, God's justice, God's righteousness, God's hospitality is showered upon all people. And so the the hope that we have is broad, is communal, and all-encompassing. Now, for the particular situation that Paul is writing to, Paul is dealing with a situation where at one point in the history of the Christian church in Rome, One of the Roman emperors emperors expelled all the Jews, including Jewish Christians from the city. And for several years, they could not return there. Now they are back. But after several years of not being there, the Gentile church, which has really been ruling the roost, you might say, has now got to share hospitality, leadership, spiritual gifts with their Jewish brothers and sisters and it has not been easy. So Paul writes, many people think, to the church in Rome to bring them to the point in this letter where he will encourage them all, Jew and Gentile, who both hope in God to come together with an attitude of hospitality, of welcome, of grace and love. Paul calls for unity, not uniformity. Unity allows for diversity. Unity, according to Christ, does not mean that our differences are necessarily erased. Members do not have to conform to one idea. It would be boring if if we did. (laughs) We have a relationship with Christ that is firmly committed to him, to each other. But at the edges, we welcome all who come to our community of faith. Our churches, Paul would say to us this morning, are to offer hospitality. Hospitality and hope. The hope of the gospel, the hope of Christ coming, bringing in his eternal kingdom of love, joy, and peace, and mercy, and kindness, is to be seen on this earth more and more in the days in which we live. So we prayed, your kingdom come, and then we prayed, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The hospitality we offer is not lukewarm, which would translate itself into, well, we'll welcome you as long as you adapt to what we think is the right way of doing things. After all, we've been here a lot longer than you have. The welcome Paul speaks about threatens those who offer it. It pushes us sometimes to the threshold of the community. And forces us to accept people who come just as they are, because that's how God accepts us. The criterion of welcome is the hope of the gospel that we all share. And this criterion is one that welcomes and loves. In Advent, we can anticipate the still-awaited Advent of Jesus with the firm hope That because God has already brought to pass the first awaited advent of Jesus, that the second, which is yet to come, will fill our hearts with even more joy and delight than the first has brought. But it brings an edge. It brings a challenge. Civil rights legend, Ruby Sales, born in Alabama, involved in the March to Selma, An African-American social activist speaks about the crying need for a theology right now, she says, to create a beloved global community. Welcome one another, says Paul, as God in Christ has welcomed you. But if we're honest, we often falter. We falter at how we define or want to redefine welcome, such that people are only allowed halfway in the door You can come here, but you can't join. You can join, but you can't lead. You can lead, but you can't preach. We falter every time when we redefine one another, such that it really only means people like us. White, not black. Male, not female. Straight, not gay. We falter each time we fail to extend the welcome that God has extended to us, to others, On the same basis. That self-sacrificial love that brings others in to the community. I sense we're at a time in our country's life when people are being pulled apart at at the seams. If you've been following the news from my own country of Great Britain you know that this is a another of those vital weeks of general election and it's been tearing the country apart as politics often does. I suspect in the coming year leading up to November next year, it's probably going to get worse. So our responsibility as Christians is all the more important, demonstrating the ethos of Jesus. Romans 15 is telling us that in the light of Advent, first Advent, in the hope of the second Advent, we can only live out that hope in that welcome. When Jonathan Edwards, the great 18th century revivalist, philosopher in New England, was coming near to the end of his ministry, he preached a series of sermons on 1 Corinthians 13. And the final sermon that he preached was a sermon called Heaven, a World of Love. He used that idea, which Paul is using here, To suggest to his congregation that if we really have the Christian hope of going to heaven within our hearts and if we look forward to that time when love will dominate the whole of eternity then we ought to share that love right here and now with one another. That's the advent hope I'm speaking about today. Hope that changes our perspective for the future Hope that gives us a challenge for the here and the now. Christian hope is both personal and corporate. We often focus on the personal, and the personal is important. But if the personal doesn't make us long for the better corporate experience, we've not really grasped what it's all about. Gwen told me a story recently. About a woman who had been diagnosed with terminal illness and had only been given three years to live—three months to live, rather. So she was getting things in order. She contacted her pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which songs she wanted sung at the service, what scriptures she would like to be read, and what outfit she wanted to be buried in. She also asked that she be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order, and the pastor was just about to leave when the woman suddenly said, Oh, but there's one very, very important thing I've forgotten to say. And what's that? came the pastor's reply. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. In all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, I always remember when the dishes are cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, Keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew something better was coming, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful and of substance. So I just want people to know that I'm not sad to go. There's something better. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. In the words of Jonathan Edwards, heaven is a world of love. Let's start using that hope as a stimulus for a better community of grace and hospitality and welcome here and now. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, generous God, loving God, we thank you for your grace and generosity towards us. Help us never to be stingy, never to be Scrooge-like in our attitude of welcome and love towards others. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. Our hymn of response is number 83. I invite you to stand and sing, Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus.
3: Let us pray. We come to you today with a spirit of hope in the midst of pain and confusion. We have hope for the present and hope for the future. Our abounding hope is in you, your grace, your mercy, and love. We have hope, we have hope in the light and hope in the darkness. We look up in our pain and rejoice in the hope that started with the Christ child. We are grateful for the messages of hope that Dr. Roxburgh has taught us. We wish you God's blessings on your faith journey. We pray these tithes and offerings be used for the glory of God. Amen.
0: Loving Lord, these tithes and offerings are presented to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them, that they would be used to spread your love, that they would always be used, that others might know there is hope in you. For it's in your name I pray, amen. Can we seated for just a moment, please? I want to welcome all of those who are here today that may be guests. We're glad that you're here and worshiping with us and hope that you will come again. If, if the opportunity for uh, provides uh, that opportunity, but also that uh, we want you to know that we're glad you're here. Today is uh, also, it's a special day in many ways. First is, 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 as Dr. Roxburgh has already said about the uh, choir, if you're up here, you just don't know how well you can sing or think you can sing because you always make us feel like we're singing really well. And, uh, but thank you, all choir, and thank you, Anna Virginia and, and Faith for today. It was very, very inspiring and uplifting. And we look forward to next week. You'll want to put this on your calendar. Remember, they'll do the, the bulk of the music for Advent and Christmas next Sunday. So you'll be here for that. I hope hope you'll make plans to be here. They've been working very, very hard uh, to make sure that what they offer is that which is uplifting and glorifying to God. Uh, today also is... Um, Following worship, we're going to have a a reception in Dillard Lobby. We won't have the reception that we usually have out in the narthex, but we'll have one back here in honor of Dr. Roxborough. Dr. Roxborough, come, and Gwen, if you would come down, too, and join us. But um, I just wanted to say before that uh, on this, your last day, we had the opportunity last Sunday. Actually, after worship, we sort of shared a few thoughts as we thought about this Sunday but uh, it's been a joy to be uh, working with you and to share together and minister with you. And Gwen, when you've been able to be here, apart from your other ministry that you've at, at your home church, but also in other places, and uh, I'll express more of that to you and the, the reception, but um, Rusty, our deacon chair, Rusty Bennett, wants to come and share a couple of words with you. I think the microphone's here.
3: I do here. Yeah, I'll do it here. Sorry. Oh, here we go. Go <laughs> slowly but surely. Oh, I don't know where I want to begin, other than to say I don't know if we thought five or so years ago what kind of journey we would be on, but we find ourselves here now. And with every journey, there are great joys that we have. they are the everyday moments that we have. There's some sadness. Today is one of those bittersweet moments. Joy because we've been able to have this time together. Joy that as we have traveled and have been working towards creating this inclusive community of grace that you saw fit to answer God's call to be here, to be our shepherd, to be our teacher, our preacher, to help us when we struggled, to be our encourager. And for that, we are truly, truly grateful. Gwen, thank you for sharing him. Thank you for letting him to be a part of us during this time. I'm not sure where we thought we would be, but where we've ended has been so truly glorious. It's with bittersweet sadness that we see you go, but also we're so excited that you're keeping that fork and that you're going to have great dessert, and I trust that we are too, (laughs) and the things that we see ahead of us. So Ken, thank you for being here, and as a token of that appreciation, we just want to give you something to say thank you from the deacons in this congregation, and uh, we wish you Godspeed, and thank you for being
2: Thank you so much, Rusty, where are you going? (laughs) Um, I didn't know what it was going to be uh, when I came here first in September, five years ago in terms of the joy and the encouragement that you've given to me, I've sought to be an encourager to you, Um, I've I've greatly benefited from being here, Uh, the friendships that I've made, um, the time in Scotland that some of us had. A dear friendship with, uh, with Tim, working together in this church, and with other folks within the life of the, of the deacon's body. It's been a, a great experience. Um, I, I knew that I would miss you as I leave, although I don't, I don't think I made a mistake in, in leaving in terms of what lies ahead for you and for, for ourselves, but thank you for your generosity of spirit. Thank you for all your kindness. Uh, down through these, these weeks and for the, just for the way that you've received the, the, the homilies and the teaching that I've tried to give uh, week by week within the life of the church. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Perhaps I could close with a prayer. Yeah. May the God of hope fill each one of us with hope, joy, love, and peace this day and forevermore.